0: Welcome to another episode of the Rasball Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Lamarco, here to discuss today what happened to Mark Andrews and all the tight end busts from 2022. Before we do, we want to make sure you follow us across the board at Razzball Fantasy on YouTube, IG, and TikTok. And of course, make sure you jump over to Rasball.com. Not only have we continued great football content all offseason long, diving into what happened with all these fantasy busts, ranking our top free agents we got a bunch of great content coming all off season long but of course we do baseball hockey and basketball so we have every sport you need over on rasball.com but of course make sure you jump on and follow the rasball fantasy youtube channel we're dropping great nuggets like today's show the tight end bus what happens some of the most elite tight ends this season so let's get into the show All right, so on this show, we typically like to talk about, we want to review 2022 before we start diving into 2023. We're excited about the free agency. It's coming around the corner. We have the Super Bowl just in a couple of weeks. But today's show is really to dive back into 2022 and see, not only tell you guys busted. of course you know. You can go on to any website and look at points per game and say, oh, that guy busted. But today's show is really about understanding, is there things that happened in June, July, and August that could have helped us prevent, or even last offseason, prevented us from drafting these guys as bust. Now, when I came into today's show, I wanted to talk about the highlight guys. I want to talk about Mark Andrews and Darren Waller and, and Dalton Schultz and all these guys, and I have some takeaways for those guys too, but today is really to look at who were the guys being drafted consistently and why did they bust, and some guys will surprise you. Now it's kind of like hindsight is twenty twenty, which is interesting, but let's talk a little bit about some of those guys On today's show, we're going to go over the top five tight end busts, including what happened to Mark Andrews. But let's talk about the general list of guys. By the way, all these players were being drafted inside the top 180, and they completely busted for the most part this season. Let's start at the top. Alberto, Kyle Pitts, Mike Jazicki, Hunter Henry, Darren Waller, Noah Fant, Mark Andrews, Dalton Schultz. And Cole commit. Now, I always recommend if you're listening on the audio side, jump over to YouTube once in a while. We'll have some graphics up here to talk about some of these guys. But today is really, let's obviously, we're going to get into our top five in just one second. But I wanted to talk quickly about some of these other guys. And before we all sit here and say, yeah, hindsight's easy in 2020, was there any writing on the wall early? And one of the guys I wanted to talk about first is Albert O. So I'm going to jump over and share my screen here and talk about some of the things that were being reported by. Um, by uh, we're being reported by Roto World and other news outlets that were kind of already could have been writing on the wall. So let's talk a little bit about this. And one of the things I wanted to talk about today is Alberto. And right off the bat, if you want to, if you jump over to the screen here, I just wanted to bring this up because this is stuff that was coming out in August. Okay, sorry, I'm zooming in here. So, the headline here is key. We're like, now remember, Alberto was drafted by the previous regime. We had coaching changes, so Alberto was consistently the tight end 15 on the R- Rasball ADP that we had, basically highlighting multiple sites. But right off the bat, this guy was playing into the fourth quarter of one of the last preseason games. Now. From a fantasy perspective, that is not good. I don't care what anybody says. When a coach says he needs reps in August, we should have known better and kind of avoided a guy like Albert o. And I just think that this is something that I want to bring up right off the bat. Some of it's coach speak. But the preseason does matter. Like, it doesn't matter from a production standpoint, but who's playing with the ones, who's getting the first team reps does matter. And this is why I just want to bring up next offseason, and we're talking about preseason reps, Got to keep an eye on this kind of stuff. When a guy's playing well into the fourth quarter, that's a huge red flag. So we do not want our tight end one or top, t- uh, you know, our second tight end that we draft consistently to be a guy who's playing in the fourth quarter of preseason games, because he's either going to be traded or he's not going to play. And that's what happened with Alberto. So I thought that was really important to kind of highlight really quick. And um want to talk through that. So here's a couple other things too I want I wanted to talk about when I, when I bring this up. So a couple of the other guys that were not in the top five that that one talk really quickly about was Hunter Henry as well. Now Hunter Henry, there was nothing in coach speak, but they did add Devonte Parker, they did add, um, they did get Smith, uh, Tyquan Smith, Thornton. Sorry, Tyquan, Tyquan Thornton in the draft. But the thing with Hunter Henry was, I wanted to figure out. Okay, he was the tight end thirteen finishes a twenty seven the year prior. The guy had nearly double digit touchdowns and it's easy to point at a guy who had like 500 yards and nine touchdowns and nine touchdowns and say, Oh, that guy's got a bus next year. And you're probably right, but I wanted to give us more actionable stuff. So first of all, the red zone touchdowns targets 2021, he had 26 red zone targets, nine for touchdowns this year. He would dropped all the way to 10 targets. So it wasn't a reception issue. It wasn't like he wasn't getting, he wasn't just catching touchdowns. He just wasn't getting targeted anymore. Devonte Parker, Treyquan Smith, uh, Triquan Thornton, Both saw more targets in the red zone. So that right there is key for us. But we wouldn't have known that. You can't tell. That's hindsight, right? This is exactly what I told us we won't do. But here's something I think is actionable for fantasy football managers. Now, the first thing you want to take a look at is you want to take a look at red zone targets and what percentage of those targets make up his total. Okay? So one of the things that you can kind of notice from last year is – In 2021, the target percentage for a player like Hunter Henry was over 30%. So over 30% of of his targets were in the red zone. Okay, that's fine. You know, nothing crazy. But he wasn't a high target guy in general. But automatically, disproportionately on average, a player averages about 20. So when a guy's in the 30s, there's some potential regression in most cases right there. So we want to try to avoid guys who have those disproportionate red zone targets in any given season. Now, there are guys that are continuous red zone hogs, um, but none of those guys are going to be in the 30 percentile and also score a high disproportionate amount of touchdowns. So not only did he have that 35% red zone targets, but he scored those nine touchdowns, okay? And only Dawson Knox tied him For that many touchdowns. Okay? Just to give you an idea of other guys around him. Robert Tanyan, two touchdowns on 34% of his targets were red zone targets. Okay? So, it's just... So, I think the action item for a Hunter Henry red flag and why we could have avoided him was... Number one, is a disproportionate amount of his targets, red zone targets. And two, did he have a higher catch rate, touchdown rate on those targets? So... You know, Hunter Henry, just two years ago, was um, 26 red zone targets. That was good for 26th in the NFL, tied for 26th. But he was 8th in red zone touchdowns. So, you know, like, for example, Mark Andrews had 44 targets in the red zone. He had 9 touchdowns. Um, Jamar Chase, 35 and 9. Uh, you know, Stephon Diggs, 49 and 10. It's so it's not, it was a combination of those two things. Okay. So it's a combination of a high target percentage in the red zone of his overall targets and also a disproportionate of those going for touchdowns. So the question I, we should be having next is, okay, is there anybody like a red flag there? And that's, that's a great question. And, um, I do have the information. And now that I'm doing this podcast, I'm thinking in my mind, I should have had this up already. So touche. Um, So let's look at 2022. And so some of the guys that stand out right away, and this is not just tight ends, but this is just in general. Number one is Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon had 23% of his targets were actually red zone targets. He also turned those into eight touchdowns on just 17 red zone targets. That's not going to happen again. Juwan Johnson, Isaiah Hodgins, Trenton Irwin, Trenton Irwin Jordan Akins, George Kittle is another one here. George Kittle had 21%, which is kind of right on average, but he had eight touchdowns on just 23 targets. So those targets are going to probably have to go up. Just to give you an idea of you know, red zone targets that are 23, Let's see. Here are the red zone targets. Guys who had 23 red zone targets this season. The Joku had four touchdowns. Kittle, eight. Juju, one. Christian Watson, six. Devonta Smith, seven. Jalen Waddle, five. So it's already a little bit disproportionate. So you could probably expect just two, maybe even three touchdowns if he does not see an uptick there. So that's just something I would like to. Also, guys that st- uh, came out to, Mikko Harmon and Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson... Uh, 25% of his targets were in the red zone. He had six red zone touchdowns on just 19 targets. So that's stuff to look at. Now, granted, these guys are going to be like dots, and we don't even know who his quarterback's going to be, whose coordinator is going to be just yet, but just keep that in mind for j- drafting players next year. Like George Kittle probably had a spike year in touchdowns proportionate to his type of role. So just keep that in mind when you're doing this. Next thing I want to talk about really quickly is Noah Fant. Um, and Noah Fant. Uh, positional ADP, not too, 19 was his ADP, 23 finished in PPR points per game. He changed teams, right? But he was 32nd in routes. Um, this offense used multiple tight ends, um, and we kind of knew that from the previous years. Like Gerald Everett and stuff did not get a full complement of snaps. But being 32nd in routes for tight ends is not good. Routes per game. So preseason, we, we got to watch – We want to know if this guy is a solo tight end, a guys that are going to get majority of the snaps at the position. And, of course, with Will Dissey on board, we kind of knew that was not going to be the case with Noah Fant. So he did not meet his ADP. The last guy I have on here is Cole Komet. Um, It's more of a consistency thing with him. But I do want to say, though, with Cole Komet, is when I dug into his numbers deeper, and I actually looked at his final since when, when, when they essentially they started throwing the ball consistently a little bit more 20, at least 20 attempts per game, uh, right around that, that, um, right. Over, like the last nine games, especially that Miami game, Dallas, uh, new England, that time frame, he really turned around a season. He was having 12.3 points per game in PPR, averaged four t- receptions in 42 yards per game. That's eight PPR points per game. That's, That's going to get it done. And he was over seven PPR fantasy points in, you know, majority of six of those nine games. So not bad. That's So I think that Cole Komet, there's something to build on from that. So he's probably not even a bust anymore once you factor in when they start throwing a little bit more for um, Justin Fields. All right, let's get into the top five. This is where the bread and butter is here, folks. And number five is going to be Mike Jazicki. and this, I got to go back. I got to go back to the tea leaves here because for Mike Jaziki I got to just show you the stuff that was coming out on him and I'm just not making this stuff up. So I just want to show you really quickly um, what was being said about Mike Jazicki this off season. So in August, August 20th uh, Miami Herald guy comes out and says, David Wilson reports that Mike Jazicki has been a less of a focal point of the offense this summer. Now, this is different than – it's flat out saying he's being called to block more, spending less time in the slot, seeding more snaps at Darren Smythe. Like, these are all huge time red flags. And then immediately after that, they're talking about Mike Jasicki being brought up in, in trade targets, uh, trade as a trade target for other teams and being a part um, you know, even like weird stuff about him potentially being a final cut candidate, which obviously was not the case. But this is the kind of stuff – okay – The other thing is, this is a new coaching staff. Mike McDaniel comes in, and he wants his tight ends to be more like a George Kittle type that can definitely block and build off that. And then also, one of the big red flags for for Mike Jazicki was that they brought in Tyree Kill. Now, when you bring in an alpha receiver like that, it's going to impact the rest of the team. So he at least slipped to the third uh, target on the team. And because of the new coaching staff, there's just a lot going on here. So I think from the standpoint of Mike Jazicki, he finished... He was drafted as the tight end 14, Finishes as the tight end 31 in PPR points per game. That is bad. So when you see the the offseason news, and then you also see um, the play caller, Mike McDaniel, being coming in, then you add Tyreek Hill. You, and listen, when you see the snaps, he, he ran a he route ran on 78% of the dropbacks in 2021. That dropped to 55% in 2022. So the writing on the wall was there. So that's something we have to watch is there a new coaching staff? That's one, any change for our tight ends, never really a good thing. Um, so that's something to watch. The second thing is, is there additional surrounding talent? That's another red flag, new play caller, uh, that kind of stuff. And then the off season buzz coming up from Mike Jazicki. So I do think there's, this one could have been avoided by, um, by most of us. So I do think that that's something we have to watch in the off Um, is there more talent around the team, new coaching staff, and is there reports of a changed role? Let's keep an eye on that this summer when we look at these tight ends. All right, Dalton Schultz, next one, number four. And this one's pretty easy. And actually, when I dived into the numbers, it, he's not he wasn't necessarily a bust. But I just want to just ease the minds. He was very good when – Dak was playing so when you look at the numbers with Dak 11.7 PPR points per game that would have been tight end six seven of his 12 games are double digit fantasy points 10 of 12 games he had at least seven PPR fantasy points which is in tight end landscape doable so Dalton Schultz is fine um don't think he's I don't think he was good for fantasy for most of the year um but I do think that Down the stretch, he definitely got it done. So I I think he's going to have a nice positive turn of events. If he re-signs, we'll see what happens with Dallas. If he re-signs there, if they franchise tag him or whatever. But I I think that from that standpoint, I solved that one pretty quickly. Next one's Darren Waller. Tight end five, finished tight end 10 in PPR points per game. Now, a couple things come up with Darren Waller, and I do want to go back to our trusty – Roto world blurbs. Because Darren Waller is another one. So, it starts coming out. Going to be planning to use more. But then he has this hamstring issue. Now, remember with Darren Waller, this is a brand new coaching staff. New coaching staff. He's not on the field. He's not getting his reps. That's kind of a red flag. When a guy's hurt for most of the offseason, does not play a lot in training camp, doesn't get a lot of preseason action, and is starting with a new coaching staff, a new offense. Um, and then in August 24th we get he doesn't feel comfortable making a prediction these soft in t- tissue injuries that linger are a red flag the good thing that kind of threw us off the trail a little bit was that he got signed to a big contract so am i being a little nitpicky here probably but let's be real here the hamstring lingering issue not getting any reps was probably a problem he should not have been drafted in that fourth round right after Pitts and them so it, you know i think Probably would have made I think the the takeaway here is number one, new coaching staff. Number two, they brought in Devontae Adams. Okay. Then on top of that, it's a new coaching staff with a lingering hamstring injury. Personally, you know, there there's a real reason to be worried about Darren Waller. Um, but before we start worrying, number one, who's the quarterback gonna be? So that's gonna be key. But here's what happens in 2021, he played 10 of his 11 games. of the snaps in 2022. He only did that twice, twice, you know, it's good that they gave him the money. So that's good, but he's a name to watch and trade targets this year. If, if it gets to a point where he's being drafted as the tight end 10 and you're getting him in like the ninth round. Okay, fine. But I don't think I need to see a solid off season from Darren Waller to trust him because this is my takeaway. Number one, the new coaching staff. You don't know what to expect from a new coaching staff. Number two, the in lingering hamstring injury, another red flag. Number three, they brought in an alpha, you know, kicking him down the totem pole. So now you have a number one receiver. You have uh, you know, new coaching staff. You have a lingering hamstring injury, and now he's not playing as much. So, just something to watch this offseason. we got to monitor the reports, see if he's out there healthy, how they feel about him. Darren Wall is still a stud, so maybe we'll get a discount on him next year. But wasn't too happy when you dive into the numbers. A lot of excitement. Number two is Mark Andrews. And this was a kind of anticlimactic for me because when I went through this, I was like, oh, man, we're going to have so many good nuggets here. He's tight end two in a, a positional ADP. And he was tied in three points per game. Not a huge drop, but he was 42 points lower in flex ranking. So he wasn't worth a third-round pick. And that's on a per-game basis, not, not nitpicking here. This is per game, he was 42 spots lower. So in, in depending, three or four rounds, depending on how big your league is, you should have dropped. He was more of a sixth, seventh-round pick um, than he was a third-round pick but or a second. But it's pretty simple. And when I went into this, I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about all this stuff with Mark Andrews and all this cool stats. No, they ain't cool. It's when Lamar played, he was a stun. Okay, 15.4 PPR points per game. That would have made him 24th overall in flex rankings last year. So right where he's being drafted, 2-3 turn. Without Lamar, he only averaged 9.1 points. So if Lamar returns, we'll have to see what the coaching staff is. Who's going to be the OC Greg Roman loved his tight ends and running backs. So is it going to be more of an open offense for wide receivers? But I don't think it's going to matter uh, too much because Mark Andrews is probably going to be, he might, he might play more in the slot. He might get more, you know, routes that way. They might throw more getting him on the field more. So when I looked into this, I thought I was going to find something that actually happened to Mark Andrews, but in reality, when he played with Lamar Jackson this season, he was worth a top 24 pick. So next season, as long as he's healthy, as long as the OC seems legit, as long as Lamar is back with that team, I think a 2-3 turn pick is perfectly fine for Mark Andrews. And number one, and oh boy, this one hurts me a little bit. I I didn't have any Kyle Pitts, um, but I did have him as a third-round pick. Tight end three, finishes the tight end 22 in points per game. This one is like we kind of should have known better. All right? We should have known better. So the biggest thing was that for Kyle Pitts was the move to Mariota. And Mariota, that that completely evaporated the passing offense. So Atlanta, when you look at Atlanta from two years ago, the Falcons threw the ball with Matt Ryan a decent amount. Decent amount. Mariota, they barely threw the ball. So right there, pass volume was a problem. We should have known that. By the way, and we did talk about that a little bit. We did talk about that. I think in my opportunity analysis, I said they might lose 150 attempts. Okay. But then we talked about Delaney Walker tied in 5-6 and with Mariota, should be fine, whatever. But they literally leaned into the Mariota running game, and they have really evaporated. So that was the huge problem. I talked about with this, Matt, especially with pass catchers, mediocre transitions at quarterback, changes at quarterback are not good. I'd rather have the continuity of Matt Ryan than I would any move to Mariota ever again. And now it's hindsight 2020, but we've seen this over and over again. So with Ben Roethlisberger, everyone thought Deontay Johnson was going to be fine. He wasn't because it's a mediocre to a mediocre change. So there's that problem. But with Kyle Pitts, there's a, a couple more things. More, He actually started seeing more downfield passes. Okay. That sounds great. Higher A-dot is usually good. problem is Mariota was not good throwing the football downfield. Um, And he saw less intermediate passes. So he was getting a higher A-dot, more deep passes, 20-plus yards downfield. He used to be stretching the field a little bit more. The problem is his quarterback was not throwing the ball well downfield. Even though his A-dot went up, his yards per target dropped because he wasn't catching as many passes because they were further down the field. So deep passes, just just in general. So he, even though they threw the ball to him more downfield, here's his deep passing. This is 20 yards or more. 2021, six receptions, 173 yards, two touchdowns on 13 targets. On one more target this season, one catch for 28 yards. That's so bad. That's so bad. Mario a 37th among 40 in deep ball accuracy and yards per attempt on those throws. Uh, he's also his slot production came way down. So, It's a wait and see with Kyle Pitts. Now, the good news is his coach is a former tight ends coach. Arthur Smith had great seasons. Delaney Walker, he was a part of that regime. He was also part of, you know, uh, Johnny Smith having a solid season. So there's plenty of upside with Kyle Pitts. The quarterback will matter. Whoever the quarterback will be will matter. But, man, if they don't find – if they're going to use him more as a vertical down the field kind of guy and they don't get a guy who can throw the ball downfield, he's in a lot of trouble. And that's what happened this year. So he could not have predicted that. But what we could have predicted was Mariota and that pass volume dip. Less, less pie. And I do want to look at this because I, I should probably know the numbers off the top of my head, but I don't. So Mariota threw the ball. So as a team – I shouldn't say Mario, As a team, they threw the ball 415 times. In 17 games. That's so crazy. 417, 415 times in 17 games, okay? In 2021, they threw the ball 573 times. That's 160 less attempts. That's almost 10 a game. That's a lot. That's, that's not good. We should have known that. So, shame. Shame on me. Shame on us. But, like, I understand we were trying to make this mindset. But, like, Delaney Walker was never going to be a top... One to three tight end. I know we're talking about Kyle Pitts, who's a stud, but in hindsight, man, Mariota was a new quarterback coming into a this new team. So there's change for him there. I just think that the mediocre quarterback switch is never a good thing for us. Continuity is better than change. So unless it's a clear upgrade, like a Matthew Stafford Tom Brady S upgrade, don't bother. I know Russell Wilson backfired. We'll see how that goes with Sean Payton. But we'll have more breakdowns there. All right, folks, that's all we got for today. That is the latest on razball.com. the top t- top five tight end bust and more. What happened to Mark Andrews? Once again, I'm your host, Bobby Mark. I want to thank you for joining us again on the Razball Fantasy YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to the Razball Fantasy YouTube channel and jump over to IG and TikTok. And of course, make sure you go over to Razzball.com. I thank you for joining me all again today. And don't forget to listen to us on the podcast side. If you're going for a run you can't watch the show, jump over to the Razball Fantasy Uh, We do have it on Apple and also Spotify, so we'd love to have you there as well. Thank you for joining us again. We are out of here.